As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. I don't know about you guys, but I'm tired of being pushed around. Understand where this is at, and there's not a lot of words that can be said. We have to do it with our actions. So you thought it couldn't get any worse. Five straight losses is enough, right? (laughs) Wrong. The Bears find a way to lose for the sixth straight time. Now it's time for Hogan Johns. We're we're in a tough situation, but I don't believe negativity or holding your head down is going to help us get out of this. Here's a useful lesson for you. Give up. Just quit. Yeah, obviously, I lost the ball. Trubisky in trouble. It's a strip. The ball is out. The ball is out inside the 10-yard line. A strip sack, and it's recovered by the Lions. I don't know if I was pump faking and clutching it or if I was going to pull the trigger. Here to talk about everything that went on in another disappointing Bears loss from NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Ho. When you speak him, you speak well. Well. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. And I like to party. Freaking awesome. My job is to continue to make sure this team is sticking together. You can't win. Yeah, you can try. But in the end, you're just going to lose big time. You suck. Together and still winners, it's Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in. How about that game? (laughs) It went exactly as planned until the last four and a half minutes. Bears lose again. It was one of those games that leave you a little bit flabbergasted as Mitch Trubisky Fumbles it within his own 10-yard line, and here come the Lions of all teams come out on top of there. But, uh, yeah, kind of speechless. But I got a lot to say at the same time, Adam. Yeah, well, welcome in. Uh, welcome to everybody on YouTube for the second time in two weeks. We are live. Uh, for those of you that might be just listening to the podcast as normal, you can. I mean, this, this will still be a podcast. And uh, if you missed it, well, we are for at least for the last two weeks, we've been doing these live on YouTube. So you can check out our YouTube page. Uh, should be in the comments, on Twitter, whatever. You can find it. Uh, and for those of you following along again, welcome. We do see your comments. We are able to interact with you a little bit during the show. And uh, there's a lot to talk about here for sure. Adam Hogue, Adam Johns here with you. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. And all of our post-game reaction live at least mine is now, NBCSportsChicago.com. Your stuff's on The Athletic, TheAthletic.com, slash Hogue and Johns. And, um, well, I want to talk about the ending, like the last five minutes and how many 
just weird decisions there were. But I, what's your biggest takeaway here? I fired everybody again. Again? I, again. Again. We're at that point. It's like the John Fox season. I had like this running joke with everybody who brought that yeah. up to me. Like, I feel like I fired him seven times in seven different columns before he was like officially fired by the Bears. This is where we're at with, with Matt Nagy. He's going to be asked every week about his coaching stability, his coaching livelihood. It's bad. It's it's all bad. It's all in George McCaskey now. What does he do? I, I'm i almost thinking he might be bold enough to to pull the, the trigger on this this week, which would be a complete break from the norm. I, I just wonder if he has it in him. Is he Is he angry enough to finally do it? Yeah, I'd still be surprised because that's just not the track record uh, in Chicago, certainly. Um, but it's funny you say that because I did bring up a specific moment, and the moment wa- that I compared this to, so the the bizarre fourth and one run call there at the end of the game, and it gets stuffed, and you just it's just like this, just this thing's been climbing the last five minutes. And you're like, this disaster's coming, it's coming, it's coming, and then bam, they run the ball and they get stuffed. That moment. To me, the thing I was thinking about was in 2017 when John Fox challenged <laughs> the goal line play against the Packers, and it was he challenged to get a touchdown, and over the ball got overturned, and get and the, the Packers got the ball. The Packers out of got it. the ball. Yeah, that was the moment that John Fox got fired. It's that's it, always been the moment to me where it was like, all right, that was it. It's got to happen now. That's how the ending of this game, and specifically that fourth and one call to run the ball there, that's what it felt like to me. I would even go back to that third down where your best player all season in Allen Robinson has to get a first down there and clearly has it. I don't know if you disagree with me, but the defender falls down. He makes the quick reception, the easy reception, turns around and goes out of bounds a yard short. When there wasn't only a first down there, but more, possibly a yeah. lot more, if he keeps his feet and, and stays in bounds and whatnot. But yeah, those two plays, consecutive plays there to end the game for the Bears, absolutely brutal. It's your best player going out, and it's Matt Nagy's offense going out with the total dud. So that's one of the main things I want to talk about here. First of all, thanks to our producer Kent Garrison for setting all this up. We got last week we didn't have these cool graphics that you're looking at. If you if you are watching this live, we got the athletic logo. Uh, I don't know we got the giant like news bar at the bottom. If we just put in like breaking and like all caps, it would look like CNN, which would be fine too. Um, no, so Kent, if you see some of that going on, Kent's having some fun here as he should, and this is all uh, thanks to him for putting it together. So we appreciate it. Here's what I want to talk about specifically: the let, let's talk about the last four minutes and thirty three seconds. So the reason I put that specific time in. That's when the Bears punted the football. To Mitch Trubisky just got sacked. They punted to the Lions. So the Lions get the ball back with 433, and the Bears are leading 30-20. to 20. Do you know what the Bears' win probability was at that moment? I'm going to say in the 90s. 99.1. 99.1, the Bears' win probability with 433 left in the football game. Lions have the ball, and of course the Bears did not win the game. A lot of things happen here. Okay, so first of all, and it's all three phases. We're going to get to all three phases here. We start with the defense because the defense, six straight completions here. So first first down was an uh, incompletion, actually. And then Stafford rattles off 14 yards, 
22 yards, 17 yards, 5 yards, 13, and then the 25-yard touchdown to Marvin Jones. Wide to make open. It 30 to Wide 20. open. Oh, my God. I mean, soft and bad defense all the way down the field. There's no other way to describe it. There was zero pressure, multiple mix-ups in coverage. Just the defense didn't get the job done, no question right there. And so it's 30-27 to 27 with 2.24 to go. So two minutes come off the clock. That's the only benefit, I guess. But the Lions didn't even need to use a timeout. They barely needed to try. It was just wide open guy. They made wide it look easy. Guy. Made yep. it look too easy. Too easy. I think that the next play that happened is not going to be talked about enough here. But it happened on special teams. Did you find the kickoff after that touchdown bizarre at all? Or was that just me? Going so, to detail, yeah. Yeah. The Bears obviously worried the Lions might try an onside kick. Which, you should be ready for it. But the reality is the Lions still had three timeouts and the two-minute warning. So, an onside kick there would have been a little weird. But the Bears, you, you should be ready for it. Well... Did you notice that Cordero Patterson was not the returner on that play? It was Darnell Mooney. They brought Patterson up near the kick to be put on the hands team, and they moved Mooney back. Now, last time I checked, Darnell Mooney is a wide receiver and has pretty good hands. So why you're taking your all-pro returner and putting him up when he's actually not that great of a Wide receiver. I mean, I just... Okay, whatever. That was confusing. But then they... So they kick deep, which is not surprising. So Mooney's back. Now, Mooney has returnability. This isn't like his first time ever returning kick. And they have him just slide down at the 11-yard line. Well, I imagine nobody was blocking for him. (laughs) Well, I understand, but there was still room to run. And they just had him slide to not have something disastrous happen. But what you just did was you gave up all field position. Now you got Mitch Trubisky backed up near his own end zone. And if you do go three and out, you're giving the Lions good field position. Which I believe influenced the next set of play calls. Which is where the Bears go from incredibly conservative to the point they won't even let Mooney run with the football on a return. And slide down his own 11-yard line to throwing the ball on second and third down when you're trying to milk the clock. Now, Mitch scrambled on second down, but that was a design pass. He dropped back to throw. I mean, th- those two philosophies, they're, they're, not, they're not jiving here. It doesn't make sense. Well, your, your play calls, regardless of what the, the game implications are, always change when you're backed up, right? They always do. You're always... Safer than sorry, uh, you take that type of tack with it. But the like, I wasn't surprised that the Bears like. I, I thought at some point on that final possession by the Bears, um, the one that ended in, in the the fumble by Trubisky. Like I thought at some point they would have to pass. Right? I think the Lions were going to stop them. I, I, maybe it's going to be third and two, um, but there's going to have to be a pass in this situation. I was surprised it came so early in second down. Now you like that Trubisky was able to gain a couple yards, but. Two runs right off the bat there would be too easy for the Bears, Adam. Just yep. too easy for the Bears. It just everything comes so hard for them. Their decision making is hard. So I know where you're going with this. Keep going. Who who is the best player on the field the whole game? 
Allen Robinson, if that, David Montgomery. David Montgomery. Yeah. I thought it was very clearly David Montgomery. So David Montgomery had 11 carries for 62 yards in the first half. He had six in the second half with a lead. In a game you're in control of. You're in control of, like, the first time all season. You're in control of the game, really, from start to finish. The best player on the field is David Montgomery. He gets six carries in the second half for 10 yards. I don't know how you explain that. I mean, that's just, that's impossible to explain, really. Actually, I don't think it is. It's almost like classic Nagy getting discouraged by the run game and abandoning it, even though the stats say you shouldn't have it in, in the first half. You know, it, it also ties The scoreboard into, says you should keep I know, running the ball. Oh, we've been there before, Adam. Classic yeah. Nagy. Well, it's all, it's all part of the equation here. So anyway, um, that leads to the disastrous third and four fumble. Trubisky fumbles the ball. It's a play that, um, you know, Nagy even said they're backed up in their own. He even referenced the fact that they were backed up. And which is why he felt like they had to get a first down, why they had to throw the ball. You're backed up because of your own decision making. You didn't need to be backed up. That I mean, that that's really hard to fathom. And then, you know, he says it's a play they run in training on day one of training camp and that it beats all coverages. Well, it didn't beat Romeo Okora, who, according to next gen stats, is number one in the entire NFL on third down pressures. Against Jermaine Effetti, right, who's played right guard for the most of the season. Yeah, he wasn't playing right tackle on day one at training camp when you were running that play. Apparently, you know, it's just uh, how much so then, do you how much do you put that fumble on Mitch? Because I think there's a whole other debate to be had here. Yeah, I think it's kind of a worthless debate. I as twenty percent, not a lot on him. I mean, he. he he took some blame afterward because he only had one hand on the ball, but he at some point you have to take one hand off the ball to throw it. He was holding it with two fa- two hands. He was about to throw it, so he had one hand on the ball, and the right tackle gave up the pressure. They never should have been throwing the ball in the first place there. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know, 20% Mitch, 15? Yeah. It goes back to that second down. You, you, you would want to run there. Uh, you got it, too, but it's uh, it, it's all... Frustrated. I don't like the Mitch blame. I just want to go on a, on a tangent here. He played well enough to win. Like I, I know we're labeled Mitch Trubisky defenders on this podcast, but let's be clear. He played well enough to win. His right tackle gave up pressure, and sometimes the opposite, the opposing player makes plays. That was a heck of a play by the defensive end. And what do you expect him to do there? Like he's got to throw the ball. He's got to take that ball into one hand. And if you watch the replay over and over and over again, which I did, he's attempting a pass. Now, debate the pass call if you want, but I don't think this loss is, is, is on him. I'll put it that way. No, it's, it's, it's not. But his history, I still think, factors into this decision-making. So uh, let's go over the options here. It's third and four, and the Lions have two timeouts. So if you run the ball with David Montgomery, who, again, at that point, had only had five carries in the second half, uh, was the best player on the field. If he gets a first down... The Lions only have one timeout because they're going to have to burn a timeout there. They'd have one timeout with about 150 left on the clock. So at that point, even if you have to punt, you're punting with very, very little time left on the clock. The chances of the Lions winning are extremely low. You might say 99.1% low. Um, 
which it was before that. Uh, if he doesn't get the first down there, because it is third and four, it's like not a gimme if you're running the ball. Well, they still have to burn another timeout. So you're punting, but the Lions, at least at that point, only have one timeout. Not great because you backed yourself up again. I, that's why I keep going back to that kickoff. It, the, the fact that you gave up that field position, that's why I think it was a bigger play than most people are are kind of focusing on. But then your other option then, Johnsy, is to ask the quarterback, you know, the guy that you benched earlier this season because you didn't trust him. You're going to ask him to sit back in the pocket near his own end zone and make a big time throw. Now, he's capable of doing that, too. If he makes the play, then the Lions only have one timeout. Same thing, about 150 left on the clock. But if he doesn't, the clock could stop on an incomplete pass. So now they have two timeouts. And again, you're punting back in your own zone. You're giving them good field position. I keep going back to that. Or the worst case scenario could happen. And that quarterback that you didn't trust to the point that you benched him turns the ball over. That's why, like, getting back to your question about how much blame you put on Mitch, it's like when we got towards the end of the Jay Cutler era. It's like you knew Jay Cutler at that point. You knew what he was. And your risk mitigation shouldn't be factored into that decision. Just run the ball. Just run the ball there. You shouldn't have been throwing it. How much do you think it was desperation? I know Bill Lazor's calling the place, but Matt Nagy has a, a strong say in what's going on, especially in those endgame situations. How much do you think it's the emotions of watching your defense get absolutely torched? Like you said, within, like easily, like do you trust your defense or do you trust your offense and that offensive line that has played well up to this point to go win you that game? Because that defense ain't winning you nothing today. They were brutal. That's a fair point. I mean, the defense wasn't getting the job done. Yeah. If there's one thing we've learned about the Nagy era is that sometimes the emotions of the actual gameplay come into they factor into his, his decisions like the the classic naggy thing we talked about abandoning the run like we've seen that unfold with him countless times where his frustrations kind of overwhelm his decision making i almost wonder if he's just had it enough with his defense and which is crazy to say because the defense is why he has a winning record here with the bears and here they are getting torched by matthew stafford like who do you trust do you trust that quarterback you've been forced to go back to you? Or do you trust this defense that was gashed just minutes ago, moments ago, uh, quite easily by Matthew Stafford? But again, running the ball isn't a punt. Like, you still have a chance to pick up the first down if you run it. So I, I, I it's, it's all part of the equation, the defense struggling too. But, you know, to that point, it feels like sometimes he gives up the trust in the defense faster than he ever does in his offense, which really doesn't deserve much trust, if that makes sense. What the defense? Say that again. Sometimes it feels like he stops trusting his defense faster than he doesn't trust his offense. Which which one of those two should have your trust more? Well, the defense. Should I, I don't know if I agree with that. At least the past couple weeks. I, I feel like that Packers loss kind of... Like shook him quite a bit, <laughs> you know, and, and, and you just see how the the stats themselves have been trending very negatively um, for the Bears' defense over the past several weeks as well. So, well, what do you think about the run on fourth and one? I didn't like it at all. Didn't like it at all. To me, it's it's 
and I can kind of see how this is, uh, you know, somebody could throw this back at me. Like, well, you're whining about how David Montgomery didn't get the ball in the second half, and then you're saying that you shouldn't run the ball with him on fourth and one. To me, it's the clock. You know, I, I'm not sure that passing in that situation would have given you any better chance of running the ball to actually gain the first down. To me, it has more to do with the clock. So there was 11 seconds left at the end of that play. So by running it, even if he had gotten the first down, you now you have to burn your last time out. That's the thing to me about it. If you pass, you at least have the chance to get out of bounds. And if you don't, then fine. You use your last time out. But by running it, you got 11 seconds to go, no timeouts, and you're still at the 19. So that at most gives you two plays. Yeah. No, they should have thrown it. Should have thrown it. It's That Allen Robinson plays is... That's bad, man. Yeah, that's bad. He turns... I, th- I thought if he spun the other way... And look, I understand why you're trying to go out of bounds, but you do have that last time out and you should have that awareness. If he spins the other way, I think he has a lot of room to run. Get the first down. Yeah. It's... That was a bad play. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, big picture. It does seem really hard to imagine how the head coach, GM, maybe even the team president survived that one. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what type of disaster this compares to. We, we've seen some awful football games and everybody here commenting, you know, has seen the same, but just in terms of like disasters, where does this one fit, man? Like, it's for everything you just laid out. It was so mind-numbingly. Forget blowing your mind. It's just, it's just, it's just so bizarre how this one played out at the end. And like you, you point to all the the coaching decisions, the player errors. It's I, I just can't see. Uh, I, I don't know which one it, it compares to in terms of complete meltdowns like this. Well, I feel like. Someone pointed out the Denver loss in 2011. That was pretty bad. I, I agree. That loss, in terms of just how losses feel, maybe not impact on the head coach, because obviously Lovey didn't get fired because of that game. Um, but yeah, that loss, the way they blew it, Tim Tebow, a, a team you should have definitely beaten, running out of bounds. Uh, and then maybe that's where that comparison comes in running out of bounds different, you know, wasn't necessarily clock, but running out of bounds, not short of the first down. That's actually, I like that comparison. That's the Mary, the Marion Barber game we're talking about. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. Jason Miller, Marion Barber runs out of bounds. Oof. Oh, it's yes. So to go back to what you're saying to me, Adam, it's, it's when does this start? When does this house cleaning start? Then how far does this go? We, we've had this conversation on this podcast before. Like, it's Ted Phillips. That, that's where the discussion is now. Like, Matt Nagy, of course. Or sorry, Chuck Pagano, of course. Matt Nagy, of course. Ryan Pace, of course. Ted Phillips. It's probably about time for not only major restructuring, just, just a different brand of decision-making. Just That's why I almost feel like Firing them all should be on the table right now with four games left. If you're going to be different, be different now. Well, I remember I did make the case with Fox that they should go ahead and do it. Well, that was bad. Um, I can't recall the exact column I wrote. Might have been after that Philly game. No, I fi- I fired him after. Yeah, I fired him after that Philly game too. <laughs> yeah, 
I remember being in that Philly press box being like, yeah, you might as well just do it now. Yeah. Um, That's the day he gave me the answer. I, I, I vividly remember asking John Fox in that tight post-game press conference area, John, why do you believe you're the best coach for Mitch Trubisky's future? And he gives me, I don't give a flip. That Remember that soundbite? I don't give a flip. That was the, the his answer to, to my question about Trubisky's future. And gosh, here we are, December 6, 2020, having a, a similar conversation, but varying degrees of painfulness now. Man, I just, I, I, I cannot believe they lost that game. And I think that part, part of it is if you just, if you just do GM and head coach and you don't do any higher, if you don't go up the ladder any higher than that, how do you, how do you expect to have the same like faith from your fan base? Right. Yeah. If you're just going to have the same again, this goes back to what I talked about last week. If you're going to have the same people doing the hirings again, why should they believe at this point that it, the results are going to be any different? No, you, you shouldn't. You're just talking about Ted Phillips, his role in the hiring process. Like he 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 brings in football guys. He gives those football guys freedom. It's. It's the process of giving that football guy the job. That's up for... That's what should be on George McCaskey's plate right now. Like, how far does this go? How much do we just need fresh voices in the hiring room? George McCaskey's going to be in that room. Has to be. He's the chairman of the board. Someone from the McCaskey family will be represented in this hiring process, but... Where does he? Where, where, who does he turn to for help? It can't be Ernie Corsi again. We, that, that's a disaster. We saw his... We saw Ernie Corsi's two teams play today. <laughs> Right? That's like, where does this go? How does George McCaskey find the answers? I don't know. Someone said, What's Lovey up to? Hmm. Coaching an extremely average <laughs> Illinois team. <laughs> um, I think it's going back to your point earlier about how we hadn't really seen this before. Is part of why it's so jarring because you're talking specifically about the Matt Nagy era. Yeah, like blowing a game in this, like that things have gone poorly, obviously, especially recently. But I'm struggling to, I, well, I guess the Packer game, that first game, hey, maybe that's a good way to end it. First game and last game, you blow it hugely. But I don't know. It, it was way different because coming out of that first game in Green Bay back in uh, 2018. I still felt like the things that we had, all the good things we thought were about to happen going into that season were still validated in that game. Of course, it turned out that the Packers that year weren't that good. So, And they're good now? Uh, they're very good. I'm. Uh, although, as I look up at the screen, the, uh, the Eagles just managed to cover the spread against the Packers. And I believe Jaylen, my guy Jalen Hurts is in the game now. See how that works? You've, you've, you've been, been calling for that. that. Well, yeah, you, you make the quarterback change and it works out. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. If you're like me, you believe there needs to be more stylish, functional, business, casual menswear that is both high quality and durable that can withstand your day. I'm talking about maybe hanging out in the press box, watching the game later with your friends, maybe getting a quick nine holes in. That's why men's closets were due for a radical reinvention and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter collection is the most comfortable, breathable, and truly versatile set of products known to man. They have products for every occasion. We're talking about the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, polos, and blazers. They look great as individual pieces, maybe with a Hogan John's polo or quarter zip, but they also work seamlessly together. Roan's signature four-way stretch fabric is breathable, flexible, works everywhere from your commute to work to the 19th hole. It's time for unparalleled confidence without all the hassle. Roan's commuter collection features wrinkle-release technology and is 100% machine washable. Looking good is that easy. The commuter collection can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to roan.com slash adam and use promo code adam to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to rhone.com slash adam and use code adam. It's time to find your corner office comfort. Um, All right, here's a question. Is Bears management from Robert here? Is Bears management afraid to bring in guys who like to do things their own way? Seems like they like company guys. Uh, uh, I think I strongly disagree with that. Phil Emery did his things his own way. Almost uh, like extremely his, his own way. They said goodbye to Brian Urlacher in a freaking press release. They resigned Jay Cutler to a record contract. They, they hired a coach in Mark Tressman from the CFL. So... I don't know if I would call them company guys. I, I they just made awful decisions, you know, with, with Phil Emery and Ryan Pace. You know, did his own thing too. He, he traded up to the second overall pick to draft Mitch Trubisky. They've been given the freedom. They've been given the power. I don't know, if, like company guys. I don't know if that's it. it. It's maybe just the wrong guys. We should call them. Yeah, I mean. Well, unfortunately, it comes down to wins and losses at the end end of the day. And there's also a part of the problem here, too, is no matter who's the general manager, there's a lot of hurdles to get over. And right now, the only people really that have a good idea what's about to happen here um, in terms of the impact of the pandemic financially and not having fans at Soldier Field all season those are the same people at the top here that have to make these decisions, right? Yeah. So um, if you are talking about replacing somebody like Ted Phillips, you're t- that person has to come in and understand the losses that have happened this year, not just on the field, but financially as well, and come up with a plan to get over that. Um, 
and you're way up against the cap. You don't have a quarterback. You don't have a high pick to get a quarterback. I hate to say it, but this is not that great of a situation to come into. No, it's not. It's not. Um, you'll always find somebody who, who wants like that opportunity. Like I, I wouldn't say that, that Ryan Pace took over a, a good situation. I would say it was kind of already trending towards dumpster fire, and it took a while to, to feel the competitive defense. I, I just think, you know, you know what you're getting at? It's like whoever takes control of this, can we just have like a consistent message? I think you've been on this too, right? Like, can we just have a consistent message about like what's afoot here? It's okay to use the word rebuilding now, especially in this city. The Cubs did it. The Bulls are doing it. The Blackhawks are starting to do it. The White Sox, your White Sox did it. It's okay to use that word rebuilding, and I know the McCaskies hate it, but I just keep going back to the Fox regime, right? Like, there was just so many mixed messages there. Ryan Pace saying it's going to take time and promise that time from George McCaskey and Ted Phillips, but at the same time, you got Ted Phillips and George McCaskey saying they want to win now, and John Fox here, you know, trying to win now. It's just, you need to have like a formula or, or a plan and, and maybe try to stick to it and not have all these conflicting agendas and messages about, you know, in, in your in your organization. Yeah. Uh, you see the question there on the screen if you're watching. If you're just listening, uh, the question is from Corey. It's time to start naming candidates for the next regime. Who do you guys got? I, look, I'll be 100% honest. I usually don't like having this conversation until the jobs are actually open, to be fair to the people that still technically are employed. Um, but it's also natural that the speculations out there, names are coming in. Um, one name I've mentioned before is Lewis Riddick. Um, I guess it's kind of a leap because, but he does have experience in the front office. That's what he was doing before he's been on on ESPN. But I guess the the nice thing that's uh, sort of transparent about being on TV is you get a good feel for the guy's understanding of the game, understanding for guys around the league, uh, and very few times I've ever watched a game that Lewis Riddick's doing on television and I've questioned something he said. He seems like he's got a good football mind, so I like that. Now, he's a Matt Nagy guy. He is a Mitch. He, did, he used to call, he used to be very high on Maserati Mitch. Wasn't that his nickname he gave him? Uh, Someone gave it to him. Yes. However, I have a feeling a lot of that was coming from his relationship <laughs> with Nagy. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's, um, I wouldn't mind this. Like, I, I, I kind of want them to take a big swing. So, if you're talking about Ted Phillips being out of the picture, and you are one of the founding franchises of the NFL, it's it's well past time for you t- to take a major swing at this. So just just like the Cubs had to do with Theo Epstein, and I, I don't want to throw any names out there right now. Give me a couple days to 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 compile one. But just like the 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 Cubs did with Theo. Go for that home run. See where it gets you. I know, no, I know. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. I know. Um, football is a bit different. Some of these guys stay in their their jobs, like the Eric DaCostas of the world, stay in their jobs for a long time. Um, but you're the Bears. You know, I, I think a lot of people would entertain a conversation, you know, from the granddaughter of George Halas himself. You know, it's... You're the Chicago Bears, one of the most, probably the most important franchise in the history of the NFL. 
it's probably time to start acting like it. Go take that major swing. By the way, I guess a good response to me saying that there's not really a Theo out there right now is that Theo is out there right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's just different. No, I know. I don't. Um, I don't see that happening. And by the way, for all the, I understand that Fitz's name out is out there. I'm uh, representing the fighting Reese Davises on on behalf of, um, I guess Northwestern tonight. If you're going to have that conversation, I, I, I would imagine uh, if I let me just put it this way: if I'm the Bears and I'm trying to figure out who I would replace Ted Phillips with, I would be looking at a different Phillips. Do you know who I'm talking about? No, go ahead. Oh, Jim, Jim Phillips, Phillips. From, from Northwestern. Yes. If you're going to go that Pat Fitzgerald route, bring the guy with them um, that was already in the running to be the Big Ten commissioner. Trust me, that guy knows what he's doing. So um, if that's the conversation you're going to have, again, I don't, and I think you're probably the same way right now, Jazz. I don't, I'm a little uncomfortable with all this. Like, guys still have their jobs. Um, it's way early in the process. Chances are these guys are not going to be fired tomorrow. Uh, and But as you see the question right there on the screen, what is the benefit to firing Nagy Pace before the end of the season? Is I guess it gives you a short jump start on finding the replacement. You could probably start that regardless if they're employed or not, but... Yes, exactly. It's it's more of an emotional thing. It's probably enough is enough thing. You know, why did the the Lions see see it fit to get rid of Matt Patricia? Why did the Falcons see it fit to get rid of Dan Quinn in the middle of the season? You know, Bill O'Brien, what? That was like two or three games, right? Like, and he was out. Sometimes you just know, and enough's enough, and you just need to make that change. It's just it's as simple as that. Like, it's it's giving your organization a head start. gives you a different lens to evaluate your organization through. Everything should be on the table at this point, Adam. Everything. But, you know, most of the time, those scenarios that you, you, you like the ones you just brought up, I don't know if it applied in Atlanta, but I, I'm pretty sure it applied in Houston and it definitely applied in Detroit. I mean, if you watch the game today, you heard them talking over and over again about the <laughs> benefits of a new voice and everybody loves their yeah, own I, I, Yeah, I don't know if that applies here. I don't, I don't think uh, that applies here. That, yeah, that it, was, that's a, those are usually toxic situations. The Bears situation right now is not a winning situation. It's not a good things are going well from a football standpoint at all. So don't get me wrong, but it's not toxic. You know, uh, comparisons to 2014. Let me know when one of the starting cornerbacks is on the radio calling the defensive scheme vanilla. Let me know when the offensive coordinator is driving a bus over the quarterback and the GM throws the offense coordinator on the bus and exposes the whole thing. Okay. Like that is, that's toxic. I, hold on, I could play this game too. Let me know when your two most highly paid players are on the radio, and you know, bad mouthing each other live on the radio waves. Let me know when you have a tight end who's not happy for another tight end who happened to have a big game in San Diego. <laughs> Let me know when your head coach benches your star quarterback with his record-setting contract in favor of Jimmy Clausen. I, I get what you're saying. What a mess that was. My point is, <laughs> if so, 2014 would have been classic case of firing a guy before the season's over just to change the voice and get a new vibe in there for the rest of the season because things were miserable. 
I still don't get the sense that that's what's going on right now. I would say what stings most about this team, at least the the sense I get from the Bears fans, season ticket holders that I talked to, is you had such high hopes right away for the Matt Nagy era, right? It's the 2018 season. Mr. Trubisky seems to be developing. This defense is outstanding. You got Khalil Mack. So they, they set this level of expectation. But since that year, it's just been progressively worse, right? And worse and worse and worse. And then you have these next these past two games, the complete throttling that the Packers gave the Bears. And then you have losing to the Lions. And it's it's reached a, an extreme low point for the Matt Nagy era. And I think part of that is just the their own buildup, their own expectations set by what happened in 2018 to see things come to, to this season where you have Trubisky benched and Foles is awful when he comes in. And now you have this defense that's beyond leaky now, Adam. Like, leaky doesn't even do it justice anymore. Like, it's it's beyond that. That's another thing we should talk about before we get out of here. Like, how do you explain that? That That's a little hard for me to understand. You know, it was one thing when Akeem Hicks wasn't on the field last week. But he was on the field today. He was on the field today. Um, man, I'm sorry, but Robert Quinn is just giving you nothing. Like, have you ever, have you ever isolated him on some of yeah, these plays? Yeah. Like, yeah. it's just nothing. And, um, you know, Mac was active today, but again, didn't get home. And I understand he's getting held. He, and he had one sack overturned, but still. Yeah. You got a record contract like that. You want more bang for your buck, Adam. A lot more bang. You want the forced fumbles. You want the strip sacks. Yes. Things yes. like that. Um, like, And it's just that this is just one game. There's a few games like this on his resume for this season, and even last season now for Cleo Mack. Yeah, it's been, I would actually say, the majority of the last year and a half. Last season and a half. I mean, and that's... Uh, and the Quinn contract, man, that's just... It's not going... You can't... It would cost you more against the cap to get rid of him than to keep him. He's back like, next year. Yeah, like, there's really nothing you can do about it. Um, And then, you know, you... You're pretty much stuck with Nick Foles, too, next year. Speaking of that question right there from Noah, what are the realistic options for the Bears at quarterback? Well, you got Nick Foles under contract, Noah. <laughs> Doesn't that make you excited? You know, people are bringing up Matthew Stafford's name today because there's a good chance that they might move on from him in Detroit. You can't afford that no. in Chicago. You, you know, they're probably going to want to try to trade him. You can't pick up Stafford's contract. Uh, and I'm not even sure that's the right way to go. I mean, uh, a player that's that old, I I think you got to hope someone falls to you in the draft or trade up in the draft. <laughs> What'd you say? I said trade up in the draft. Who's doing that trading up? I don't know. I really don't know. Me, <laughs> I'm doing it. Shannon, I'm looking up your question right now. I believe it leaves... Um... It's a lot of dead money. Yeah, don't think, do it. I think it's another <laughs> scenario where it costs you more. Yeah, don't do it. <laughs> to uh, get rid of Foles than to keep him. Shannon, you don't even want to know. He's here next year. By the way, Foles isn't a bad backup quarterback to have. Uh, even at that price. You know, it was it come out to, is it $7 million a year? Something like that. You could have way worse backup quarterbacks for a lot of money. So I, the problem is he might be your starter. 
that's <laughs> that's that map might be the problem there. So I don't. Know. I, I think that's what lingers over the, all of this too. It's not only just the mess that you've created in 2019 that extended to 2020. Now there's a mess you got to clean up in the 2021. So if you're George McCaskey, like who's cleaning up this mess that's been made? The mess makers, starting with Ted Phillips, or how crazy do you get, George? How bold do you get? Someone said uh, trade Stafford for Mac. Mm-hmm. Would they do it? <laughs> Who says no? I think I say no. Maybe the Lions, though. <laughs> Here's the problem with Stafford that I go back to. What about the years where they were actually decent under Jim Caldwell? Stafford still has never been that quarterback that kind of lifts up the whole team. You know what I mean? Like he has moments like today where he puts them on their back and goes down, and, and I think he has a ton of game-winning drives in his career despite being in Detroit, um, and that matters. But it doesn't there seem like there's still something always missing there? Yeah, no, no, I get the criticisms too. That's in the scouting world as well. People have doubts about him, but still, if you're the Chicago Bears, I think Matthew Stafford for a couple of years would be uh, um, would be okay, better than Nick Foles. Yeah, would you rather be stuck with Stafford's contract? You know you have a decent quarterback or Khalil Mack's contract. But, I mean, Mack's not bad. He still makes a difference. You know, Jason here, Jason Miller brings up a good point because this goes back to the, like, Ryan Pace and John Fox inheriting Jay Cutler. Who who did? Look, people have, like, fallen more in love with Jay Cutler since he's retired and whatnot, but... Like that set them back as an organization, not being able to move on to the quarterback position right away. And I almost wonder, to Jason's point, that if, you know, letting, let me read it, letting Foles walks away costs you money, keeping him costs you games. Like it's, it's kind of like the Jay Cutler thing minus the steroids a, a little bit here. Like if whoever takes over the Bears, or even if Ryan Pace gets another crack at this, like eat the money. Start over. That Nick Foles experiment did not work, and especially for a new GM, like whoever that person is, should definitely consider a full house cleaning at the quarterback position as well. And by the way, that trade doesn't look good, you know? I remember writing at the Combine about how that contract he had in Jacksonville actually may call for Jacksonville to have to throw in something extra just to get rid of them, like the Brock Osweiler trade. And instead, the Bears gave up a fourth-round pick. It's 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 hard to it's hard to make sense of a lot of this stuff. They thought Nick Foles was going to be significantly better than he actually was, which goes back, and I know I've said this before, to a misevaluation of the own, your own talent in your own locker room, and perhaps your head coach's offense. You know, it's like believing in the system too much. When in 2018, okay, there was some evidence that with improved quarterback play, it would work out. In 2019, it just wasn't there. And that's unfortunately been the situation that's continued here in 2020. Except for today. The offense was pretty good today. Yeah. Matt Nagy trusted his offense more today. It's When there's this many problems or, or, or this many you know people to point fingers at, Again, this is where the house cleanings, the major house cleanings start. Like when, when the, and it may not, it doesn't even have to feel as bad as it did in, in 2014. Like there's, there's problems afoot here. And you, you've given people a lot of time, you've given people a lot of money. And, 
you know, these problems, at least personnel-wise, persist into next year. So there's a big mess to clean up here, Adam. Big mess. Wow, what a game today. Uh, I still can't believe they lost. 99.1% win probability <laughs> is what they had. 0.9%. Way to go, Lions. Unbelievable. I, I believe that's even, even higher than when the Bears came back on the Lions in, in week one. I think I owe Lions fans an apology because I was hard on them for celebrating Trubisky starting and they weren't um, well, they weren't right in that calls for Trubisky starting this game. But, you know, we, we always say that, you know, here in Chicago, we say the Lions are the Lions. Well, the Bears just happen to be the Bears again for, for fans in Detroit. Did they not? Yeah. I thought, I mean... You know, if the Bears' defense did their job today, this game's not close. Yeah, Bears' defense didn't do their job since the first half. They didn't. That's why, I mean, I if you would have told me the Bears score 30 points, I would have said they win easily. Yeah. And, and that didn't happen, so I don't know. Hey, want to make sure I brought this up. Look what finally came. Look at this. I'm going to have to read that. I was going to say, it looks new like it hasn't been opened yet, but thank you. Well, it hasn't. It came... I ordered it on Amazon. Uh, d- never got my media copy. Must have been lost in the mail. I ordered, But the good news is I ordered it on Amazon and it came in one day. One day oh, shipped. Yes. Not even two days. But uh, this is Johnsy's book. Uh, I haven't read it yet because it just came, but I will read it and you should read about it. You should get it too. So one day shipping on Amazon. How about that? Yeah. Thanks, my friend. There might be a Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace chapter that needs... Some updating here <laughs> soon enough, you know, maybe a Ted Phillips chapter that needs updating as well. But um, is my name in this book? You are in that book. Oh, wow. Yes. Oh, I have to read it now. And the draft of Mitchell <laughs> Trubisky. I think you you are included in there. Oh, great. Um, it's, probably, it's probably me like, what a pick. Yay. <laughs> no, more about the surprise of it. Oh, yeah. More, more about the surprise. Um, but yes, thank you. Um, Check it out if you haven't, everybody. Uh, it's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all those places as well. Really tried to keep the fan perspective in mind. Uh, tried to find stories they haven't been told before. Talked to a lot of people from Brian Urlach to Owen Krutz to Jared Payton, Patrick Manley, Doug, um, who OB. There's a chapter in Doug and OB. So um, a, lot of, a lot of good stuff in there. Awesome. Yeah, highly recommend picking it up. Can't wait to read it. And the foreword is by our friend Patrick Manley who's been on this podcast before. Um, all right. Final thoughts. That was bad, man. Are you clearing out your Monday just in case? I am. Um, nah, my Monday's always clear, man. We're working in a pandemic. Um, yeah, that'd be something. If, if that happens, and I'd be surprised if it, if it happens, even though I, I'm like partially calling for it. Um, There'd be a, an indication, I think, to everybody just how different and how bold George McCaskey may be going ahead in the future with the Chicago Bears. But Yeah, it, going back to that question, like, what's the benefit of doing that? It, that's where it comes in. I don't necessarily know it's a benefit from any, like, real action. It's almost more the message. Yeah. It's almost the message you're sending to your fan base. Like, all right, we're taking this for real. We're not screwing around. Um. But again, if you come out, you make that move, and then at the same time you say, and uh, Ted Phillips will lead the hiring process, 
I don't think the fans react. Oh, I don't even, I don't even think they. I don't even think they care that you fired anybody. Oh man, you you'd have <laughs> you would have fans like like we we use the word apathy a lot in describing Bears fans and how they feel about this team. Like I don't even want to characterize what the emotions would be. I think fans are, are just beyond the point of being fed up. Yeah, very apparent to me. Hard to blame them. Hard to blame. You know, this, this week's a perfect example. Yeah, I wrote on Wednesday. It may be a trap, but this should be a game that the Bears control from start to finish. It should have been a game that they controlled from start to finish. It was a game they controlled until start from start to almost finish, and then they lost it. And that's the kind of the problem that we run into covering this team for as long as we have is in the back of our minds, we know that whatever should happen is different than what normally happens somehow with this team. And then that's why I said it. Maybe it's a trap. Well, it turned out it was a trap. Eric wants to know if we can get a bet between us and if any firings happen this week. Uh, I guess it depends on if we disagree because I'm going to say nothing happens this week. Oh, oh then no, no, I'll, I'll, I'll stick, stick with, with my car. I'll, I'll make a bet with you. you. Okay. It depends. What's, what's the firing? I, I don't, I don't like, like this, but I already lost, I feel like. like. Um, How about anything? How about anything. Like even even Chuck Pagano? There's like a change in defensive coordinator. All right, fine. fine. Um, Portillo's? I don't know how I'm going to get it to you, but... Portillo's, if we can ever... Well, you know, the thing about a Portillo's bet is last time it took you a year <laughs> to pay up anyway. So I hope by the time you ever would pay up, the pandemic would be over. See, anyway. see we got time. We got time. All right, we will just like keep a tally here. So Portillo's, whatever you want, okay. whether or not there'll be a firing here. Any any firing. Any firing. So yeah. even like the, the intern, intern Joe. <laughs> I don't think there's an intern Joe, but... But his coaching staff member. Now, Steven, my guy Steven here is talking. He says $100 Morton's dinner. Ooh. No, no. Sorry, Steven. I'm not getting that pulled. No, he's just he's just going pan he's just going uh pandemic portillos. Yes. Yes. Um all right. Hey, Aaron Rodgers just completed another pass. That's a good th- good uh wit and the podcast. Uh follow us on Twitter at Adam Oak. <laughs> at Adam Johns. We appreciate you watching, listening. Hopefully you guys are enjoying this. Uh, Enjoy all the commentary too. It's kind of fun hearing the reactions and the comments uh, during the show, which we don't normally get. Our buddy Ben, DoorDash. I can send you some DoorDash. Yeah. Yeah. You could. You won't, but you could. I could. (laughs) And a six pack of that longboard beer. Yeah. Matt Nagy's playbook said use Venmo. I guess I could. <laughs> Matt, Nagy's playbook. Matt Nagy's playbook still exists? Oh, that's me. That's me. That's me. Um, read us. Post-game reaction up. NBCSportsChicago.com. Johnsy's on The Athletic. TheAthletic.com. The Fishman, too. We'll hear from him on Tuesday. And a very special guest on Tuesday's podcast. Yes. I'm excited to talk to and maybe do some sparring with. Be very excited, everybody. Very excited. Sylvie. Oh, you're gonna, okay. That's fine. Put it you, out. I, I asked sat- you before <laughs> the pod if I could tease it. You said yes. That's okay. Mark Silverman, everybody from ESPN 1000, will be on Tuesday's show. He's coming up. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. He's going to be all fired up after this one. 
Yeah, is he going to be mad at you again for? No, I don't think writing? so. I, I, I okay. think we actually may be on the like. We're on the same team. I just think we we disagree. It seems like it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Sylvie and John's unite. Beware, world. That's when you know things are. <laughs> change must be out of the way then. Uh, anyway, thanks for everybody interacting, watching, listening. If you're listening to the pod, we appreciate it. We'll be back Tuesday. Should be a fun episode with Mark Silverman, Hogan Johns. We will talk to you then. See ya. Y'all stay corona free, all right? And God bless. <laughs>